time, this man had not worn clothes or lived in a house, but had lived in the tombs. If you read in, uh, I believe it's Mark, you see that he even uh, was naked and bleeding most of the time. And in Matthew, it says that he had stopped all traffic in the area. Nobody would even go by. Uh, for a long time, this man had worn, not worn clothes. He had or lived in a house. He lived in the tombs. When he saw Jesus, he cried out at his feet, shouting at the top of his voice, What do you want with me, Jesus, Son of the Most High God? I beg you, don't torture me. Okay, so how bad was this guy? I'm not going to talk the whole time. I am going to ask questions. I'm not sure if that's the format that is used in here, but I know most of you, so I don't mind if you speak up a little bit. How bad was this guy? What would you think if you saw a guy, if, if I had been able to get Dad to run up and down the aisles with his shirt off and his hair long, what would you think if you saw somebody like that out on the other side of the street? A guy lived right under the awning at the high school who was doing that stuff all the time. What would you think? Crazy. He's crazy. What would you do? What's that? Try to avoid him. You're going to stay away from him. One of the other, uh, I think Matthew says they had chained him. They tried to keep him chained, but he couldn't be chained. He broke the chains. People stayed away from him. You'd be crossing on this side of the street. So this guy was... Well, he was demon possessed. We know that much. Okay, so how does the demon possess? How does the demon address Jesus? What does he say? All right, he calls him Son of the Most High God. What does that say about the demon? That that can tell us a few things about him. Just that one statement. He knows who Jesus is. He knows who Jesus is. Where else do you see that title? Where do the titles usually used for Jesus? Son of Man is one is Jesus' favorite title for himself. He used that one a lot. That's not what the demon says, though. What are some other titles? Lamb of God, maybe is one. Demon doesn't use that one. Uh, where do you see Son of the Most High God used, or something similar to that? This one is used generally when people are talking, obviously, of God, but sometimes when people are very... Melchizedek uses it in the Old Testament. He was a priest of God Most High. It is more of a spiritual term, more than the physical terms that we see used in the New Testament. And so, obviously, we're dealing with a a spiritual being here with the demon. Um, The other thing that he says, and I think that it's in Mark that he... he, um, he adds to what he says, I beg you, don't torture me here. And in, I think it's the Mark account, he says, don't, have you come to torture me before the appointed time? What does that say? What does that tell us? Okay. What, what judgment? What happens at the judgment? Okay, God judges the people, but this isn't a people, right? This is a demon, so what does that kind of say too? All right, that day of judgment is going to be a judgment for all of creation. A time for all of creation to give an accounting for itself of of how it has obeyed God or not. What does this demon know about it? What's that? 
Yeah, he is certain that it's going to happen. We know people today who might ignore it or say it won't happen. This demon, there's no question about whether it's going to happen or not to him. He knows that the day of judgment is coming. What does he know about it for him? Alright, not only is it probably going to be bad, he says he knows he's going, he is bound already for torment. Right? You read through Revelation, you know, the devil, some of these other things, they're already chained and bound over for judgment, right? This demon knows that there is a time set aside that God has said there is a certain day coming that he has appointed to judge and that demons, Satan's followers, they already know their judgment. They know that theirs is, is torment, and this, this demon knows it. He also knows it's not this day. So he says, have you come to judge me? Have you come to torment me before my appointed time? Um, despite this knowledge, what does the demon... Well, let me read a little farther then. Okay. Uh, verse 30, Jesus asked him, What is your name? Legion, he replied, because many demons had gone into them. And they begged him repeatedly not to order them into the abyss. Okay. So, why do you think Jesus asked the demon his name? Why might he ask his name? And what does the name tell us? We'll go into the next part too. If you'd rather ask, if you'd rather answer that about than speculate about why, what does the name tell us? What does the what does the demon tell us? Okay, there are many, but he only gives a singular name. So we're we're finding out a little bit more about demons here. What does what does that mean? Legion means many. Right. If, correct me if I'm wrong, but I think Legion is a thousand men in the Roman army. I believe that's right. But anyway, so maybe it means a thousand demons. Maybe it just means a lot of demons. Okay. But he he answers not necessarily in the plural. It's almost a singular because he gives a single name. Why are all these demons in this one guy? What does this say about demons? And the other thing they ask is, don't throw us into the abyss. Now, what does this say about demons? Why are they all packed into this one guy? What, what might be the reason for that? And this is all getting to a point. Maybe some people are easier you know, to be entered into than others. In okay. form, maybe they weren't following Christ on Okay, maybe it had something to do with the guy himself. It was easy for the easy for them to possess him. Several demons could mutually support each other. Okay, several demons mutually could support each other. What about the identity of the demons? What do we know about that? How many do we actually hear from? Yeah, just the one. Even though he says there are many, we just hear from the one. Why do they not all? Shout out and answer Jesus. Why do you think that is? Wasn't there another case where someone had a demon taken out? They said if you don't fill up that house with something good, then so many more are going to come. So maybe at one point he was a clean, upright person and he went back to the old way. Okay. 
Yeah, there is the part where Jesus talks about if a demon is, is tossed out and the person doesn't fill it with something good, fill his life with something good, another demon comes back. It's not just several of them come. It's one comes and then brings others with him. Okay, so there's sort of maybe a hierarchy or maybe a one demon is worse than the others. They all like company. They, they like to get together and one of them likes to take charge of all the others. Anybody read... Uh, well, I know some people have, but C.S. Lewis, Screw Tape Letters. How long has it been? A, a quite a while. Part of the, the theme in that is that at the end of all those things, the devil himself is really trying to take all of the power, take all of the identities of all these demons, of all these anybody, and just pull it to himself. Now, God wants to draw men to himself, but they remain individuals. With the devil, it's not like that. He does not like diversity. He likes conformity. He likes for everybody to be under his control doing exactly what he wants. I think that we get a little bit of that here with Legion who has got all these other demons. He pulled them into this one guy and he's the one in charge. But anyway, you have, you have a lot of demons here and they apparently are all under one spokesmanship of one of the demons. Okay, so what do the, what do the demons ask of Jesus? If you're still in Luke, it's verse 31. All right. Don't go, don't send us into the abyss. Okay, and then verse 32. A large herd of pigs was feeding there on the hillside. The demons begged Jesus to let them go into them, and he gave them permission. Okay, why into this herd of pigs rather than into the abyss, rather than into chaos? I don't know if it's the first case of Okay. First case of deviled ham. Alright. So nobody's going to eat deviled ham again, right? You're getting ahead of us. We don't know if Jesus said yes or not, right? Okay. So they ask him, don't send us in the abyss, send us into these pigs instead. What does that tell us? What has Jesus told them then? What has Jesus said this demon has to do? If they're, if they're begging, don't send us into the abyss, what must Jesus had, have told them? Okay. They do know already that that's eventually where they're going to be. They're going to be in torment. They're going to be in nothingness. They know that He is eventually going to, going to put them there. And they're afraid that He's going to... Yeah, the demons are afraid here. They're afraid He's going to torment them already and, and wipe them out. But that's not... If you're in one of the other passages, you can tell directly, but... From this, we can see that Jesus has obviously commanded them something. What has He commanded them? Leave. All right, to leave. Come out of this guy. All right, so we can see that. And what is the demon's response? What would you expect the response to be if you were told to leave somewhere where you liked, where you had control? Okay. You want to be somewhere you control. Okay. If God tells you to go, then you go. So the demons, we've said they know that they're going to be set over for torment. They know that there is a time appointed for that. They know that they have to do what, what God says. Why is it that the demons... Well, what do they not do? If somebody tells you to do something that you don't want to do, what do you do? 
argue with it. They don't. Argue with it, and the demons don't. Why? Okay, but why do we argue with God? Do they not? They have free will to inhabit this guy until Jesus says don't. They have free will to um, ask him a question, to choose questions to ask. They have some level of free will. Why do you think that the demons have to obey what Jesus has told them and that we get the choice of not obeying? Or is that a trick question? Okay. Their fate is sealed. Uh, go ahead, sorry. Okay. Right. Apparently their fate is sealed. Why? You know, we don't know. We're not given a whole lot of information about the overthrow of Satan when he was kicked out of heaven. Why that was such a final thing that their fate is apparently sealed because they know their time is already appointed. They have no question about they're going to be tormented one day. But we still have the choice that the demons have already made of will we obey God or not. We still have a more of a measure of the free will than they apparently do. So they don't argue with him, but they do ask a question. And the question is, please don't send us in the abyss, send us into these pigs. What do you think Jesus is going to do? What would you do if you were Jesus and demons asked you for a favor? Jesus has all power. The demons know that their time has come. Okay. I have Christ within me. Demons have no power over me. Okay. When Jesus helped conquer death, he conquered Satan. He conquered all spiritual beings. And when I have Christ Jesus, I've conquered all spiritual beings. I don't get demons. I can't get demons. Because I have Christ within me. I have God within me. There's no fellowship between light and darkness. So the only safe place in this world is in Christ. Okay. Because He's over the demon. Somebody says, well, i got a demon. I can't help it. That's just I mean, it's just a mistake. You do, a Christian can't have a demon. Christ doesn't leave them and then come back. Well, the demons are there. It won't work. Right? Okay. Yeah, that, that, that's getting a little head from where I was going. But yes, with with the Holy Spirit within us, Absolutely. yeah, there's no room for demons and and God in the same room. Yeah, if he came to me, a demon came to me today and said, you know, I want you to do something. I couldn't hear him. <laughs> okay. I don't think. Okay. <laughs> couldn't even hear him. That'd be nice. <laughs> it is nice. Um. Okay, but the question is, if the demons ask Jesus for a favor, why do you, why do you think Jesus grants it? Because they, in this case, they ask Him for a favor. Don't send us in the abyss. Send us into these pigs. What happens when Jesus does grant the favor? We'll, we'll start from there. Okay, first... What did you say that happens? Yeah, the pigs are killed immediately. As soon as they go into them, the pigs rush down the hillside into the water and they drown. There's about 2,000 of them. And then as Don said, this spreads. It goes, what, what time do we end? I'm interrupting my thought. But what time is class over? Quarter till. Quarter till, okay. 
we got time. All right, and so after the pigs do this, people start to hear about it, and they start to, to freak out. And we'll get into that in a second. But why then, the demons did this immediately, why do you think Jesus granted them their request? If a demon asked me for something, and I'm not, this is completely hypothetical, I'm not saying that a demon has been asking me anything, nor that it can. Uh, but if a demon asked me for something, I would not be inclined to grant its request, regardless of what it was. Why do you think Jesus says, okay, go into the pigs? Okay, he knew exactly what was going to happen. If they go in the best, they're loose. They're still loose. But it said they went into the, to the pigs, the swine, and then they went into the water and drowned. So then that should automatically kill them. Okay. I, I, don't know, I don't know about that, about killing the demons or whatever that is, but... Okay. The pigs were dead. Whatever, yeah. Don't know exactly what happened to that uh, as far as that goes, but we know they ran into the pigs and the pigs died. Jesus granted it for whatever reason. What do you think about that? What does that say? What does it say when the demons go into the pigs that they immediately run off and are drowned? What happened to this guy when the demon was in him? Or when the legion of demons was in him? Completely lost control of himself. Crazy, naked, bleeding, running people off. Greg, did you have a comment? No, okay. What happens to the pigs when the demons go into them? Yeah, same thing except worse because it's not a man, it's immediate destruction. What does that say? When the devil has control of somebody, and I'm not, I'm not saying in a literal, spiritually inhabiting somebody's physical body, but does, does the devil have control of people today? Yeah, we know that he does. Otherwise, why are we here? Otherwise, why do we try and teach the Word, if, if not to free them from his control? What does that say about the control of the devil even today when he can't physically inhabit somebody? Right, he destroys what does it say about the intent of the devil? To destroy, to dis- complete destruction. Yes? You know, in Matthew 12, it talks about when the unclean spirit has gone out of the land, it says he walks through dry places, trying to find rest for his soul, so he can't find any rest. So he goes to him and takes seven other demons with him back to where he came from and said the last state of the word, man, was worse than the first. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, whatever demons, whatever powers, whatever things have control of him, again, today doesn't have to be a, a physical inhabitation. But, but Satan does have control over people. And if something is going to fill that person's life, either God and his spirit or Satan and his power, right? And Satan and his power gets worse and worse and worse and ultimately destroys. And we see people that are in that state now, uh, very self-destructive. Over in Mark, it tells you that there's about 2,000 demons. Can you imagine having even one devil that's telling you something to do, or, you know, and you've got 2,000? One of the guys like Okay, yeah, absolutely. When there are that many in there, even when, some, when sometimes you've got one person telling you what to do, it's bad enough, even if they're a good person. But if you've got 2,000 people bent on your destruction telling you what to do all the time, 
look at the state of this guy. Yeah. Uh, people live that way. Okay, so the result is immediate destruction. Who is at fault for the pig's destruction? Okay, the demons were. Alright, but let's look at this next part. Um, Verse 34 in Luke chapter 8. When those tending the pigs saw what had happened, they ran off and reported this in the town and countryside. And the people went out to see what had happened. When they came to Jesus, they found the man from whom the demons had gone out, sitting at Jesus' feet, dressed in his right mind, and they were afraid. Those who had seen it told the people how the demon-possessed man had been cured. Then all the people of the region of the Gerasenes asked Jesus to leave them because they were overcome with fear. So he got into the boat and left. All right. So who do these people think is at fault for what happened? What does that drive them to do? Why do, you, why do you think that they ran him off? Because that's what they do. They ask him, please leave, and he does. Why do you think that they ran him off? Okay. They might have had their own demons, either, either specifically, actually, or metaphorically, and didn't, and didn't want to get rid of them and knew that he would drive them out. The what? Okay. 2,000 pig are now gone. Because Jesus has allowed them to be destroyed. Now, who did it? Whose fault was it? Not Jesus. It was the demons because they did it. Even though Jesus allowed it, He certainly did allow it. But He has affected the pocketbooks of these people. You know, it's like, you ever seen the movies where somebody's got a hostage, they've got the gun to their head, and they say, don't make me do it? Well, who's making them do it? Nobody's making them do it but themselves. They're making that choice. These people blame Jesus for what happened to the pigs, even though it was the demon's fault. What do you do with 2,000 pigs in the water source? You know, I believe it may be economical in some way, but it's scary. You've got a guy that you don't know comes into your territory and he heals this crazy guy and it costs you 2,000 pigs and you've got a cleanup program that defies the imagination. What else is this guy going to do? Okay. The first thing he does is kill 2,000 pigs and save the blind, a crazy man. Okay. I mean, what's the future going to bring for these people? I mean, you're looking at it from an objective point of view. Okay. We can look at it that way, but we can also look at it at compare the two things. What has happened? Because Steve just said two things happened. One is the crazy man who was healed, but he's not just crazy. How bad was he? Terrible. Yeah, terrible. How bad was he? What had it driven the people to do? Shun him, stay away from him, try to chain him. None of these things could they do. He had shut down all traffic in the area. Okay, so they have two things they can look at. They can look at the loss of these 2,000 pigs that admittedly, if we saw 2,000 pigs go screaming down a hillside into the water, we would be a bit disconcerted. Right? At the same time, suddenly this man who was causing all this havoc is now sitting in his right mind and is no longer causing havoc but is able to sit, dress, and have a decent conversation like any normal human being. And that happened like that. So which of these two things makes more of an impression on these people? The pigs dying. Why does it make more of an impression that the pigs died rather than this man was suddenly saved and okay? 
magician or sorcerer or something of that effect. I don't know where he's from or what he was planning to do next, but he can do things like this. That's kind of scary. Okay. Fear plays a big part in this whole story. Who in this story is afraid of something? The townspeople are definitely afraid. First they're afraid of the guy with the demons and then they're afraid of Jesus and what he might do. Who else is afraid? The demons are afraid of what Jesus might do to them. Okay, possibly at the beginning he is afraid and simply can't control himself. He's afraid of what havoc he is wreaking. Possibly. Who is not afraid in the story? Jesus is not. And then at the end of it, who else? The man who was healed. He is no longer afraid. How is it... I mean, we see... We think of this This is a big miracle as far as the 2,000 pigs. It would be a big deal. But even Jesus says, you know, those who come later will see greater things than these. We have seen greater things in the course of history that God has done that were never done before Jesus came. How do we then not be afraid of Christ? Not be afraid of somebody who is so powerful if they can do this? Because you've got two people here. Those who are afraid of the power of Christ and then you've got the man, Christ himself and then you've got the man who was healed who is no longer afraid of the power of Christ. What is the difference? Because they saw the same thing. Okay. Yeah, we know why Christ is here. We know what He did. We see what He's done in our lives. So we know what that power is used for. They're not sure at this point. They could have seen it had they simply seen the guy that was saved and said, isn't this guy worth more than the pigs? But they didn't. They didn't look there. They looked at things that were not worth as much as a human life. Had they been looking at what Christ actually did for a human being, maybe they would not have been afraid either. Uh, the demons, again, we're going to get into, if we got into that, we would be getting into who knows what the whole question about uh, the judgment of the demons was. But they didn't ask forgiveness either. All they asked is, send us into the pigs. Okay. The people in the area, see the, the reaction they drove this. Uh, they're worried about what else they could lose. They're worried about his power. So what do they ask Jesus? They ask Him to leave. What do you think Christ would have done if they'd asked Him something else? Let me read John uh, chapter 14. John 14, 13 and 14. Jesus is talking to His disciples. He says, and, if I, and I will do whatever you ask in My name so that the Son may bring glory to the Father. You may ask Me for anything in My name and I will do it. And then we've got John 15, 16. You did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you to bear fruit, fruit that will last. Then the Father will give you whatever you ask in my name. This is my command, love each other. So we've got two instances here of Jesus saying, I will give you whatever you ask. And these people, what are they asking to do? They ask Him to leave. Now, I don't know what we ask Jesus today. Um, I think about the worst thing we could do is ask Him to leave. And that's, but that's what these people do, and he grants it. Okay, let's read the last two verses. Verse 38. 
The man from whom the demons had gone out begged to go with him, but Jesus sent him away, saying, Return home and tell how much God has done for you. So the man went away and told all over town how much Jesus had done for him. Alright, so what does what is the end result of this man? Why do you think, okay, we've got a difference here as far as usually Jesus says, don't tell anybody about this, right? A lot of cases, don't tell anybody what I've done. Don't tell, you that I've, don't tell them that I've healed you. Don't tell them who I am. He often commands demons to be quiet when they say, Son of God Most High. He doesn't do either of those in this case. Why do you think that is? What makes this one different? Okay. Okay. I think we can certainly combine the two, but usually the showing comes first, doesn't it? Because if you show them, and eventually somebody who's paying attention. Now, we're not talking about people who have their eyes on the pigs. People who have their eyes on the pigs, all they're going to do is ask Jesus to leave. But the people who look at this man later in the town that said he, he went away and told all over town how much Jesus had done for him, the people who look and say, how did this man get cured? Then he can tell them. Because he's shown them what's happened. He's shown them what Jesus has done. So yeah, I think that's a good point. A lot of times you show first, then people will ask. First Peter 3.15 says, Always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give the reason for the hope that you have. They ask when you're shown. Steve, he knows a lot more about evangelism than I do, so give it to me. With the guy, what kind of reputation would he have had in that area? We would have got no convert out of them at all. Okay, because where is this? If he hadn't went, if he went with Jesus, that whole area would have stuck with the big story. Okay. All right. He's got a testimony of Christ Jesus. And you wonder why Jesus didn't go on. He stopped there and went turned around and went back. Well, the people asked him to leave. Was it because his testimony was null and void until that demon guy got the people <coughs> and explained what happened? You know, that, is he the John Baptist for that area for the gospel? Well, we see... Saying, as far as telling the story? Yeah, we see that... Uh, it's, a, it's in Mark, is it chapter 8 for Mark, where Jesus winds up back in this area later and He heals some people because they have faith. Do you think those people had heard because of this man? Probably because apparently Jesus had not gone back there because that's why I have the map up here. Look where that is. It's not in Israel. And usually Jesus does not go outside of Israel. So by leaving this man to tell, as Steve said, He's left a witness for Himself in this area that we are able to tell from Mark chapter 8 bears some kind of fruit. People believe and know. They were scared of Jesus, but when they were shown what Jesus could do in somebody's life, that's when it made a difference to them, and they could believe too. Alright, what, what lessons can we take from this for ourselves? Uh, fear, choices, where we have our focus. Okay. Jesus didn't run the guy off. He yeah, he, he cured the man and the man wanted to go with him after that. 
Лауреатс. Okay, effective evangelism is done at home when you see a changed life. Uh, it can be done very effectively at home. I had a comment over here. Okay, yeah, Jesus doesn't just say, stay here and, and be okay. He says, go and tell people what I have done for you. Okay, and so, yeah, the, again, the idea of going and showing showing what a life can be when it has Christ in it as opposed to a life that is under the power of Satan. Okay. Sometimes we try and tell them where they're wrong before we tell them about Christ and what He can do. The man knew he was wrong, probably. Dee pointed that out. But, yeah. Because the, it's the power of God, it's the power of Christ that has the ability to make them right. All right. Thank you for your attention and your comments.